Welcome to this week's episode of the Poitras Ponderings Podcast. We know you will enjoy and be challenged by this episode that will cause you to pause, to ponder, and then to project. This week, our host, Jim Poitras, will once again turn over the lion's share of this episode to his co-host, Melinda Poitras. In this week's podcast, we also have a return guest, Baron Longstreth, and the subjects they are discussing will cause you to rethink your calling and how you are fulfilling that calling in your life. So here is our host, Jim Poitras. This is Jim Poitras with the Poitras Ponderings Podcast. I am extremely excited today because I'm going to flip the script again. And I'm going to step into the back seat, into the background, and I'm going to turn things over to my magnificent Melinda, my co-host, a great driver. And over to you, Melinda. Well, thank you so much, Brother Poitras. We are joined today by a special guest, a recurring guest on the podcast. I get to introduce him, and I was trying to think of when I first met him, and I remember that it was at a conference, and he was speaking, and he was just, he's a great speaker, so I was loving that, and I was sitting next to this beautiful woman that I'd never met before, and as I'm sitting next to her and he's speaking, she just starts like, yelling like you preach baby that fine man is my man (laughs) and i had never in my life wanted to be a pastor's wife but she made it look really fun and wonderful and that was the first time that i encountered the longstreths and they are wonderful amazing encouraging friends to our family um they pastor in tulsa Baron is an excellent teacher. He's an anointed man of God. And most importantly, he's a father to Preston, Landon, and Jude, and the husband of one of my favorite women on the planet. So welcome to the podcast, Brother Longstreth. So well, good to have you here today. Thank you so much, Melinda. It is uh, obviously an honor to be in the presence of magnificence, as Brother Poitras said earlier. So yes. Um, and I feel it. I, I'm I'm feeling like even in Tulsa from St. Louis, I'm basking in the and I'm being saturated by magnificence right now. I can't. <laughs> but you don't know how much you blessed our family. Um, the book that you wrote has become a staple in our family. And um, I just am mm-hmm. very thankful for you, your ministry. And of course, my dear friend, Brother Poitras, time would evade my uh, opportunity to tell as he is wiping his eyes right now (laughs) of really how much he means to me. So it is an honor. I love the Poitras family and the Longstress and uh, even my uh, somewhat crazy bride at times loves (laughs) and believes in the Poitrases. So thank you for allowing me to be here. Of course, it's an honor. We have been discussing a book for the past several episodes. And in that book, we've kind of been going through the journey of Elijah and we're seeing now 
where the supernatural collides with reality as it does so often in the story of Elijah. And he's living out all these moments and birds are feeding him and children are dying and fire is falling and he's running in despair. But I've noted throughout all of that, that sometimes we forget to think about how he is a human being. So he's grappling with all he hears from God and all he fears around feels around him and all that he knows to be true and all that he's being asked to believe as a human. He's not just a man of God. He's also a man. So how is the humanity in Elijah feeling through all of this? Uh, I think as Brother Poitier stated earlier, um, this is um, this book and the author this book has really changed my life and I haven't just read. This is one of those books where I'm looking at it right now and I'm holding it in my hands and the author, uh, Richard Blackaby does such an excellent job. I, I very rarely do I reread material back to back. And this is one of those books where you're just going to want to reread it. Yes. Because it, it, it's phenomenal. I mean, each chapter, whether it's dealing with the life of Elijah or whether we're dealing with a couple chapters uh, towards the close, dealing with uh, some of the ministry of Moses, both of those um, concepts are, just speak to uh, the question that you just asked. And really, this is, this is a question of great relevance, especially in the day and hour we're living in. And, uh, you know, we are people of faith and we are people that are being asked to believe and, uh, you know, even more specifically, uh, you know, if we're dealing with uh, personal callings, and it's a personal belief of mine that every single one of us has a special calling on our lives, not just those that stand behind a pulpit or those that have an overseas ministry, but all of us have a very specific calling. And uh, so he uses Elijah's life and, and allows us to experience and kind of peer through the window of Elijah's ministry and how his humanity comes into play. And so, but you stated something just a second ago, and that's where I want to start. I want to start with a solitary word. And as uh, you begin to explain before the question, you kind of gave us some context of the question. You used one solitary word, and that word was moments. Mm. And that is such a critical word when you look into the life of a minister or an individual that has a calling on their life. That humanity comes into play in these moments of life. So I'm studying this morning and in preparation for this podcast, I, I feel a nudge of the spirit and, and I begin to pray right there. I just put everything on pause and I'm praying right there. And I feel like God led me a couple centuries prior to Elijah. Uh, well, more than a couple, but some centuries uh, prior to Elijah, God sends a word to Jacob in Genesis 35. And this is what he says. And I hope this maybe sets some context up for uh, some interaction for this question, because I think this is question. This is a question rather that uh, we can bounce off one another because we all experience these things. We all experience feelings um, uh, of humanity in these moments of life. But listen to what the Lord said. He said, I am God almighty. Be fruitful and multiply. That's the second thing he said. And then he says, a nation and a company of nations shall come from you and kings shall come from your body, your own body. So from what you do, kings and nations shall come from you. 
And how are we as individuals not supposed to connect a statement like that into our humanity? There are going to be feelings that arise from that and connectivity that arises from that. And if we broke that down, Belinda, this is what we would see. First and foremost, he is God Almighty. And that's what he said about himself. And so when we look at our own life, here's what we see, that our commission, our life, our calling is funded by this God of limitless resources. And how are we not supposed to feel? Mm. How are we supposed to be robotic when he has given us this opportunity to understand that when he is connected to this, there is no limit to what he can do. And that plays in in positives and in negatives in our life, because in the positives, we project faith and we see the outcome of the calling of God. But there are often times, and this is what I've seen in 21 years of ministry, there are often times that the limitless resources of God lead us to places of frustration, because why did you not get involved? Or why in the middle of all of this did you lead us? or guide us to this particular place. And we're, we're given this insight in this book as the author capitalizes on moments such like where Ahab is, or Elijah standing before Ahab, and he says that it's not going to rain for a period of time, and God honors that. And in the very next moment, this God of limitless resource says, go and hide. And, and the author explains it could have been up to a year that Elijah stays by this brook. Mm. Why would the God of limitless resource take Israel's most profound and prophetic voice at that time in life and push him to the backside of some nowhere? And we feel that. And those are ex- those are real feelings. Those are real things that we experience. And so sometimes uh, there's highs because our commission is funded. And then sometimes there's lows because we know that God is limitless and we don't stop believing in that. We don't stop putting our faith in that. But the truth of the matter is, is we're connected and feeling of this. And how do you separate those things? So yeah, that's the first thing. The second thing is we feel called to be fruitful and to multiply. And sometimes that doesn't pan out the way that we see. Sometimes, sometimes it's greater and sometimes uh, if we measured success, it wouldn't be so great. And if we measured it by what we see, it's it's not. Uh, there have been several moments in, in the last 12 years of pastoring and starting two different churches that I have seen these great moments where God has allowed our efforts, whether it's uh, personally or corporately, uh, to be fruitful and to multiply. And then there are often times when I know that that God pushed us into a certain point of ministry and a direction. And it's like, did we miss it? Because we're not being fruitful and this, we're not, we're not multiplying. And if we don't allow God to define, to, to define success, we can get into a very sticky situation. And so those are going to cause feelings, right? Um, and then the third thing obviously would, that, that the Lord said is our desire, uh, or excuse me, he said, a nation and a company of nations shall come from you and kings shall come from your own body. And so I feel like, and I know I'm in good company with the both of you, that our desire for life's ministry moments are to be generational. Mm -hmm. And we are connected to that. And how are we not supposed to feel in our humanity? And so, yes, 
operating according to the flesh and not led by the spirit can be uh, could lead to very dangerous things. But I think it's also dangerous for us to just strip humanity out of the picture. God wants us to feel connected. And so when we deal with how is the humanity in Elijah feeling, I think at times it's a struggle. It's a struggle because Elijah wants to see the fruitful things. Elijah wants to know that he is backed by a limitless God that is standing before him. And he is, but sometimes he can't see that. And of course, I believe that Elijah has these moments of life where he wants to know that I am going to outlive my life through this ministerial calling. So, yeah, I I think Elijah is going to be feeling and the humanity is not necessarily a bad thing. And I'll take a I'll take a second. I have a lot more on this first question, but I'll take a second uh, just to see if uh, maybe uh, Brother Poitras or uh, you, Melinda, want to tag in on this. I, Melinda, do want to tag in on this. Um, A couple of things I thought about while you were talking where I, grew up in, where I grew up in Ghana, we have a phrase, we say no condition is permanent. Mm. Um, they remind you of that all the time. They remind you of that when things are going well. They remind you of that when things are going poorly because life is a string of moments and nothing lasts forever. So when I'm in a low moment, I really like to remember that it's a moment. It's going to pass. It's not going to be there forever. And I was in a low moment yesterday because I love to be sensitive to the spirit, but I do not love that I am sensitive as a person. And it's really hard to separate those two things. But we have feelings for a reason. We have feelings because... God has feelings. I think if you read scripture, you realize that he feels a lot of things and they're not always pleasant things all the time, which I'm grateful for. And I also hate, um, but you also said, and I think that this is important that God defines success ultimately. And so when I'm all up in my feelings and I'm in my car and I'm in a low moment and things don't look like I want them to, and I feel like things are never going to change, These are important things to remember that no condition is permanent, that God defines success and that life is a string of moments. I think I try to keep in mind too, Melinda and Barron, that this too shall pass. There was a patriarch in the Ghanaian church and every situation that would come up, he would say that this too shall pass. So it kind of reminded me, of that when Melinda was uh, speaking about sensitivity, I know from personal experience, uh, the magnificent Melinda is very sensitive to the spirit. And when people bring that up to me, I don't go into the details, but I usually say something like this. Yes, that sensitivity comes at a great cost. It doesn't just happen. And I think Melinda has done a very good job of defining that uh, a few minutes ago. I'm really enjoying what's being said in this podcast episode, and I believe that it's going to minister to many, many people because it's already ministered to me. Here's what I told the church today on Sunday morning. Um, It just goes right along with what you both are saying. Um, I said, I felt like the Holy Ghost spoke to me and said even Jesus Christ was bruised. 
Mm. He was bruised for our iniquities. He, his, he was bruised. And uh, there are feelings involved in that. Father, forgive them for they know not what they do. There are feelings there. There are feelings of betrayal there. And here's, here's what the Lord gave me. Driving down the road the other day, I'm saying, Lord, how do we deal with humanity? I know that you, uh, as a human, were, were touched. And, and here's what he showed me. Here's what, he, here's what I feel like he said to me. I didn't write it down, so I'm going to try to remember exactly what he said. But this is what I feel like he said. He said, I've experienced all the humanity that you will ever experience, but you will never experience all the humanity I have experienced. Wow. So he is touched by all of what we are touched by. And it's not an erasing thing. No, he wants us to bring it in. But you're so right. The checks and balances of how do we deal with the sensitivity? How do we allow God to define success? Those are the super important moments. I mean, we could, we could, judge, by, uh, we could judge David and say, well, it was more important when he sunk a stone into the giant's forehead than it was when he slung stones among the cheerless audience of those little uh, sheep that he was in charge of. But it wasn't. All of those moments required him to be faithful to in order to get him to the future throne. And so we got to allow God to define what is success in all of those moments. So there is often great disparity between the word of God and the way that the world looks around us. And as spiritual beings, we live by faith, but as physical beings, we are bombarded by reality. So can you offer some help for navigating those choppy waters? Uh, yeah, you know, I, I looked into a familiar scripture, a passage of scripture rather, in uh, Philippians that Paul talked about. And I think we would all know these, uh, but sometimes the, the familiar things are the things that we look over really too, just too quickly. And we're looking for this divine, fresh revelation when God has already provided revelation to us. And so uh, I thought, well, you know, maybe, maybe God just wants to bring us back to some of those foundational things. And here's one of the things that I, I feel like is that we cannot overcomplicate the calling. Don't overcomplicate the calling mm. uh, because there's always going to be this disparity between the word and the way that the world looks. There's always going to be that. So let's not overcomplicate our lives. Let's not overcomplicate the calling. This is what Paul said. I count, he says, brethren, I count not myself to have apprehended, but this one thing I do, uh, forgetting those things which are behind and reaching forth unto those things which are before. And he said, I press toward the mark for the prize of the high calling of Christ Jesus. And so uh, we cannot overcomplicate uh, the calling of God that's on our life. What are we called to do? Mm. Even in the midst of what we're defining, quote unquote, as choppy waters, we cannot overcomplicate this. Let's keep our, uh, let's keep our eyes focused. And I feel like that Elijah's ability to remain steady, even in these quote unquote choppy waters of his own personal calling, it, it stems from his ability to keep his ear tuned into the word of God. He's always looking for the word of the Lord. And no matter if it's the ups and it's the downs, he retains this spiritual awareness through all of these moments, no matter what. And he keeps his mind tuned. I think the author uses this scripture in first Kings 17, he said, then a revelation from the Lord came to him. 
Mm. And, and that's, that's what it was. I remember last year I was on a boat. It's just a small boat, a little fishing vessel, um, just off, uh, just right out into the Atlantic. We're not deep into the Atlantic. We're just a mile or so out from shore. And man, the wind was something fierce that day. And it was myself, uh, a pastor friend of mine who was operating the vessel as the captain, and then my middle son, Landon. And Landon begins to experience some of the early signs of seasickness. And so we call him Old Cap, but Old Cap looks at Landon and he says this. He says, you see that land in the distance? And Landon says, yeah, I do. He said, listen, I want you to focus on one solitary landmark Excuse me for a few minutes. Don't take your eyes off of that mark. And it is, it is that ability to be able to set our minds on one mark and not mm. overcomplicate things. And, and God, you called me here. And God, this is what you said. And, and uh, in the last podcast uh, that uh, Tyler Bryant and uh, Brother Poitras was a part of, uh, Brother Poitras talked about him getting down and riding in the sand. And it's making that mark and, and saying, I'm going to remain faithful no matter what the situation is and how uh, the outside influences comes into play. And uh, I believe it was, um, it was Elder Brother Pasley, who was my first pastor. So it was Brother Norman Pasley's father. And I was real young, but he had a statement that he used to say. And, he, and the author makes mention of this type of statement. and It's so impacting. He said, until you have received a fresh word from God, you need to continue on the last word from God. Don't overcomplicate this thing. Just stay, have predetermined points that you can focus on. And the waters are going to inevitably become choppy. And we are going to become, if we're not careful spiritually or physically or emotionally indisposed, if we have no predetermined reference points, right? Yes, that's so good. Well, I, Melinda, Peter in, in Matthew 14 decides, I'm tired of this boat, right? Mm-hmm. I'm getting out of this yes. thing. And the most important thing that Peter did was this. He said, if it's really you, bid me to come out there. And I have preached from this passage so many times. I've even preached for this passage in, uh, I, I believe it was the one of the Go, Go Next, or it was either the Global, uh, Global Connections, one of the two. And uh, God gave me a fresh um, experience in this word, uh, in, in this passage, and, and I'd like to share it. Peter steps out of the boat, and, and I, I preached in the past, Peter didn't walk on water, he walked on faith. And when his faith failed, he, he fell into the water. And, and, and studying the scripture and in praying uh, just here recently, in the last three or four months, I felt like the Lord said it wasn't just the faith that he walked on. Peter walked on one solitary word. He walked on that word, come. And it was that word. And I, I can know that because in verse 29, Peter gets out of the boat and four words mark his reference. He has a predetermined point. It says to go to Jesus. That's what Peter did. He walked on water to go to Jesus. And if we allow our lives to be full of walking in these supernatural places, but not for any other reason, but just to go to Jesus. And I don't have to just walk on my faith because my faith 
can fail at times. My faith can falter at times, but I can stand upon something that is eternal. And Peter stood on the word of the Lord. And when he lost his confidence in the word of the Lord, that's when Peter began to submerge between or, uh, underneath the waves. And of course, we know the, the rest of the, of the story. But, but, you know, Peter's ability to stand was he stood on the word of God. He was never able to stand on the water be, to begin with. And so we have to understand that, that we have to have a confidence and we have to have a predetermined uh, marker that that we can look at. And I, I, I hardly think we're able to fail if we're going to where Jesus is. Peter wasn't trying to walk on water. He was trying to go to where Jesus was. And that ought to be what we're trying to accomplish in our lives as Christians. And then, of course, our ministerial callings as well. I, does that make sense? That makes perfect sense. It's ministering to me personally. I think that I'm no stranger to overcomplicating my calling. And it's just a beautiful reminder today because I forget sometimes when the water gets choppy that the fixed point that I'm supposed to be walking towards was not ever meant to be the fulfillment of my magnificent calling or the day that I see all my promises come to pass or when I'm walking in the reality of the dreams God has given me, the fixed point that I'm supposed to be walking towards is him. Yeah. Yes. We grapple with everything else. Yes. We have feelings about everything else, but nothing else matters as much as walking towards him. No, not at all. Well, do we have time for a final question or would you like to just go ahead and wrap up? No, I have a couple a couple minutes. Yeah, I love it. All right. So the spiritual man and the physical man obviously live in the same house, but they do not always agree or get along. And more often than not, one overpowers the other. How do we handle that? What are some tips for working that out or letting them live in harmony or making sure what's supposed to come out on top comes out on top? Right. Well, um, you know, Jesus often answered a question with a question. And so I, I wrote down three or four questions. And I think it'd be great for people just to take a moment and ponder on these questions. I mean, really ponder, connect yourself to the, to the, uh, the realization of these moments in, in our history. One is how could Abraham offer up Isaac? How was he able to do that? How, how was the flesh, how was the, uh, the, uh, the physical man able to, to allow those uh, parental um, uh, emotions and connections? And we're dealing with a promise here. Abraham has a promise, and now God is requiring the promise, and he's waited on that a quarter century. And, and yet at this point in time, how does Abraham offer up Isaac? Or how could Jacob muster up the strength to wrestle an angel? What causes that sense of fortitude inside of a man that he would fight and ask something that was well beyond his, uh, his pay grade when he said, tell me your name. But yet the, the, the spiritual aspect of a man uh, overcomes the, spirit, uh, the physical aspect. But the physical was involved in all of this. Mm-hmm. And we, we try to separate it like just, no, you have to, there is going to be physical requirements and we have to not separate and, and put them on the opposite ends of the spectrum and just say, I operate. No, nevertheless, I live, but not I, but Christ that lives within me. 
that there's it's yes, we can't be fleshly and we can't be carnal and the spiritual man needs to come out on top, but don't try to separate them, surrender it. And I think that's the beauty. How could Mary handle being the mother of the Messiah? Or how could Jesus suspended from Calvary say, Father, forgive them? These these men and women surrendered themselves. And Melinda, here's what I think. The calling of God upon our lives required Jesus to remain the cornerstone of our living. And we have to allow him to be the cornerstone of our living, our experiences, our moments. And it's in First Peter, it's in the second chapter, that he goes and shares uh, this understanding of this Messiah, this Christ, Jesus is that choice stone and he's a precious cornerstone. And here's what it says. He goes on to say, and as we come to him, the result is that we are shaped into living stones for use in a spiritual building. And so as we come to him and as we continually surrender to him, we will become those useful and living stones in this spiritual building. And we are one among many and we support those that are above us and we support those that are beside us and we support those that are beneath us. And we are of great use when we execute that as we come to him. I think it was uh, John 15 that Jesus said, if you abide in me, I'll abide in you. The branch cannot bear fruit by itself unless it abides in the vine. And whoever abides in me and I in him, he it is that bears much fruit. For apart from me, you can do nothing. But if we look at that statement, we have to look at the opposite of that statement. That means connected to him, we can do something. Or that something maybe is better defined as what he wants us to do. And so as we are connected to him, the, the awesome thing is, is that fine branches don't have to try to abide in the vine. They just do. Mm. Branches just do. And they yes. they stay connected until somebody severs that off there, until something uh, unfortunate takes place. But if you stay connected, you're going to bear fruit. So if we if we can do these three things, stay connected to the vine. Don't fear seasons of unfruitfulness because we don't get to choose how much fruit we bear. We are just called to hold it up. We are called to support that. We have to stay connected to the vine and then celebrate each contribution that you're able to make to the kingdom. Honestly, I just want to throw my phone at you because this is so good. Thank you. Thank you for being here today and for the food for thought that you've given all of us. It's my pleasure. And I'm thanking you guys for allowing me. I really felt these things in the Holy Ghost this morning. And thank you for allowing me to be a part of this excellent podcast. I love y'all very much. It's been our honor. I loved what you said. And I just want to refer back to it before I turn this over to Brother Poitras. Don't separate it. Surrender it. Yeah, That's what you said that I loved so much. That is helpful. There has been much about this that will be helpful. So I thank you again. Brother Poitras, do you have anything to add? Wow. 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 Not only have we flipped the leadership of the podcast today, 
We've also flipped the alliteration because typically we say Poitras Ponderings podcast where we pause, ponder, and project. But my beloved audience, our beloved audience, this has been amazing, anointed, awesome, appropriate, animated, and something that is worth aspiring for. So that's your alliteration for today. Uh, for those preachers that are out there, you've had the opportunity today to steal from Baron Longstreth and Melinda Poitras some great sermon thoughts. I was sitting here reflecting over my ministry. There probably has only been one or two or three times maximum that I've ever stolen a sermon thought from somebody else. Uh, two of those times have been from Baron Longstreth. One of them is today. Peter didn't walk on the water. Peter walked on faith. Peter walked on one word. The word was come. The predetermined reference point to go to Jesus. Thank you very much, Brother Longstreth. The next time that you hear that, it's probably going to be copyright, either in written form or in preaching. Just preached on Sunday at our local church in the seed thought actually came from a message that you preached uh, when I was with you in the Dominican Republic. Of course, uh, I feel like that interpreter, that translator, where uh, the minister said, uh, because the guy was taking so long to interpret, even the shortest of sentences, he stopped and asked the translator and said, uh, are you interpreting what I'm saying? And the translator looked back at him and said, yes, sir, I am. And I'm greatly improving upon it. So we'll see whether we approve or move it the other way. But these are sermon thoughts worth pausing, pondering, projecting, and stealing. This is the Poitras Ponderings Podcast. I love both of you more than words can express. I'd like to say this, my world is bigger, brighter, and better because you are in it. God bless you. Thank you once again for listening to the Poitras Ponderings Podcast. We invite you back again next week for another wonderful episode of this podcast.